This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. I'm super excited because I haven't spoken to this gorgeous young woman from Take a Break magazine in a long, long time. It's our Shan Gregory. Hello. Yay. Hello, Jill. Have you been missing me dulcet tones? Oh, honestly, it's that... Barnsley accent of yours that I just, you know, I miss it so much. I know, it's like velvet, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really, really well. I'm really well. I've I've been very busy, obviously, but I know you've been very busy too because uh, you've got a, a certain little event coming up in a couple of months' time. Yes, five months till I get married now. We went and um, served our notice of intention to marry on Monday. Well, it was awful. I was convinced that they were suspicious of it. I don't know why. (laughs) Obviously, it's not suspicious, but I'm just that type of person. When I walk through customs, you ought to see me. I look guilty when I walk through (laughs) because I think that someone might think that I'm guilty. So I just look, I'm very surprised that I've never been stopped. And that's what I was acting like when I went there to, um, yeah, to declare our notice to marriage. She was like, what's his birthday? I was like, why? I know his birthday. Why do you think I wouldn't know his birthday? (laughs) Ridiculous. Oh, but it's so exciting. I remember doing that as well. And, you know, you just come out of there and you think, oh, my goodness, this is starting to feel, you know, that's when it starts to feel really real because it doesn't matter if you've got your dress and you've booked your venue and you've, you know, sent out your invitations. It's actually when you go to to register your your notice of intention that you are, are... uh, what is it they call it? Post your wedding vans. That yeah. um, that it actually begins to feel a little bit kind of like, okay, my knees are starting to go. <laughs> I know it does, doesn't it? And when they say they're going to post it up, so that anybody who objects can come and you know make the feelings known. I'm obviously expecting all of my uh, my potential suitors who are jealous to go and. Go and try and wreck it. Oh, but, yeah. Well, I tell you something. You better be nice to me. I might just, I might just look you up, Mrs. Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> We've had an objection from a Jill. Back- no. <laughs> oh, I'd never do that to you. I'm so excited, and I've just been hearing all about your beautiful wedding dress as well. But we'll keep that a secret. Yes. Uh, nobody's to hear about that until uh, after the occasion. But uh, I tell you what, we will not keep a secret. The current issue of Take a Break magazine, because it's too good to keep a secret, is absolutely amazing this week. And uh, you're going to kick off with your first story, Sean. Yes, this is a lovely one, one of my favourites. It's about a lady named Kay. And when she was little, she was at a wedding and she was craning her neck to see um, and she was waiting for the person that she wanted to spot the most. And finally, she had her eye on the doors and they opened and that person came in. But it wasn't the bride, it was her nan. She was obsessed with her nan, June. She always had been. She'd spent a lot of time with her nan and her granddad, Albert, who drove a big red London bus. Um, Kay's mum was disabled, so the nan would help out by taking them on caravan holidays and knitting blankets for them, that kind of thing. Now, Kay absolutely loved her nan's bubbly personality. So in the church at the wedding, her nan sat down and she went, Nan, why aren't you a bridesmaid? And her nan went, always a bride, never a bridesmaid. Now, Kay didn't like the idea of a nan missing out, so she said, well, when I get married, you can be my bridesmaid. So the nan smiled and said, might keep you to that, love. Now, the years passed and Kay spent more and more time with the nan. She cooked a roast for the whole family once a month and she'd make them all laugh as they tucked into the roast chicken. 
And Kay's mum taught the nan how to use Facebook so she could join some knitting groups. And soon, Kay had more blankets than she knew what to do with. You know what it's like, getting carried away with elderly relatives. Um, but in time, Kay had five children and her nan absolutely doted on them like she had done with Kay. When Kay broke up with the kid's dad, her nan helped out. And when Grandad Albert died, it was her turn to help her nan out. The nan cried on her shoulder. Now, eventually, Kay met a man called Patrick and life became happier again. Nan absolutely loved him, said he reminded her of her Albert, which was high praise indeed coming from Nan. So soon, Patrick and Kay moved in together and they had a son called Mason. Now, on Christmas morning, Kay and Patrick got engaged. Straight away, Kay knew one person in her life who would be absolutely thrilled. She posted a picture of a ring on Facebook and she waited for Nan to see it. It was about 10 seconds. Minutes later, she typed, congratulations, she was going mad. Then on New Year's Eve, they all had a family party at Kay's mum's house. Now, she met a Nan there and after Nan had polished off a few sausage rolls, Kay sat her down in the kitchen and she went, do you remember that time at that wedding that I said I wanted you to be my bridesmaid? And Nan just laughed and said, 77 year old, imagine an old dear like me as your bridesmaid. But Kay said, Nan, I made a promise and I'm keeping it. I want you by my side on my wedding day. Now the Nan's eyes just filled with tears and she said, of course. So Kay got busy, she booked a church for the ceremony and a social club for the reception. And she had a lovely idea to honour her granddad Albert as well. She hired one of the route master buses that he used to drive for their journey to the church. And next she picked some bridesmaid dresses for the nan and her other bridesmaids in shades of blue and green. One of them had a bit of a plunging neckline and the other had little spaghetti straps. So she sent pictures of them to nan and crossed her fingers that she'd like them, but it didn't go down well. Nan went, they're a bit racy for me, love. At my age, you've got to think about your modesty. So Kay had to go out and find her a blue dress with a, with a high neckline and a matching shawl. Now, months passed and Kay's Hindu arrived. So they all went over to her sister Laura's house and she had decked the kitchen and garden out in a Hawaiian theme. They had inflatable palm trees. They all wore flower garlands and grass skirts. And Nan came along as well. And hours later, a barman turned up wearing nothing but an apron. Now he'd come to show them all how to mix their own drinks. So he went straight over to Nan, of course, said, what would you like? Nan went, sex on the, pe on the beach, please, love. Everyone laughed and Nan said, give over. But when the barman turned away then to get her drinks, they all caught a glimpse of his bare bum. So they all cheered and Nan went, oh, that's something you don't see every day. Now, finally, the wedding day arrived and she, Kay got ready with her Nan. They all got ready together at her house with the rest of the bridesmaids. And they made the way downstairs and when they opened the front door to go to the church, outside the house was the red double-decker bus with the granddad's route number and name on it. Now when Nan saw it well, tears welled up in her eyes and she turned and ran back inside. She went, I can't do it, I can't do it. So Kay followed her to comfort her and she started crying as well. So they had a bit of a cuddle and they wiped their eyes and took a deep breath. And Kay went, are you ready now, Nan? And Nan just nodded. But they went outside and both got on the bus. And as they were going round the streets, Nan was saying, oh, this brings back so many wonderful memories for me. Now, eventually, they arrived at the church and went in. 
and the music started and Nan squeezed Kay's hand and all but one of her bridesmaids walked down the aisle. Then it was Nan's turn. So she smiled at Kay and then went through the double doors with a bouquet and then Kay followed. Now she reached Patrick and they said the vows and became husband and wife and then they all got back on the bus and Nan said, oh, you were wonderful love and Kay went, so are you, Nan. So the bus took them onto the reception then and the DJ played a mix of music from all eras. Nan were first up on dance floor. She were first in the queue for the photo booth as well, posing with all the props. So Kay says, now they've just got the pictures back. There's loads <laughs> of just Nan holding inflatable guitars and wearing comedy sunglasses. <laughs> she says she was the best bridesmaid that she ever could have wished for. Oh, how lovely. I know. Isn't that so lovely? Oh, do you know something? I think, um, you know, it's lovely to be that close to your grandparents. I mean, you know, my, my grandparents, I never really grew up with grandparents because they were very young when I died. But, um, you know, I still, you know, I know people who still have, you know, my age, who still have grandparents. And uh, you can see just how close they are to their grandparents. A lovely, lovely relationship. So it's it's just wonderful that she included her nan in that kind of special way and kept her words. Yes, kept her promise from all those years ago. I just love at first how when she said it, the nan was like, don't be stupid, I'm 77. So what? I don't want to do it without you. Get up, you're coming. Oh, I just love it. Oh, love this story. <laughs> See, that's it. You're going to need to get a whole load of grannies to walk down before you now. I've got a plan. If any nans are listening to this, because my <laughs> nans have both died, if you want to come forward and be in my wedding, then you're very welcome. I'm going to hold some nan auditions. Right, okay, so it's uh, this is uh, Jill Barkley for Rent a Nan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have some tests, like who can make the best cup of Horlicks, because I like a Horlick. <laughs> who is the best dancer? Yeah. Dude, dude, you are nuts, absolutely nuts. <laughs> well, uh, we might not be able to find you uh, a Nan for your wedding, but uh, we're certainly going to find you another story to read for us. Uh, what yeah. have you got next? Oh, Jill. I need you to brace yourself for this one. Is this a love rat? No, it's not. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. Is it good so, or bad? Good or bad? Just, there's no words. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this lady called Michelle, she had just moved into a new house um, and she was decorating. And after a recent rough time, she couldn't wait to make a fresh start and get some new friends. So the next day, the day after she moved in, she stepped out onto the shared patio to admire the garden and she heard a screech. She turned to see an older woman with bleached blonde hair, tight jeans and a low-cut top. And the woman shouted, Who the hell are you? Get out of that flat! Now, before Michelle could explain that she was the new tenant, the woman stormed off. Later, another neighbour told her that the woman was called Lee. She was 75 and she'd lived at the block of flats for years. And the neighbour said, oh, Lee's a larger-than-life character. She calls everybody darling and babe. You'll get used to her soon enough. So a few days later, Michelle came home to find a letter on her doorstep. And it said, you don't understand about this block. It's my garden. It belongs to me, Lee. So Michelle turned to her boyfriend, Mike, and she said, I don't get why she's taken such a dislike to me. I've not done anything wrong. But then things got worse. Lee cut down Michelle's washing line just as she'd hung up all the whites and she came to the door to shout at her. So Michelle phoned the council. She said, I can't take this anymore. The housing officer said that she'd have a word with Lee, but still the letters continued. 
Now, two months later, Michelle saw Lee on the stairs. She took a deep breath and said, look, can't we just be friends? Oh, yes, darling, she said. Come on up. And she kissed her on cheeks. Thought, that's weird. She's like a different woman. Anyway, she followed her up to a flat and they had a chat over a cup of tea. Lee told Michelle that she used to be a nurse. Her flat was full of medical books and she even told her that she had a medical skeleton. Now they got on well and after that the angry letters stopped coming. But a few weeks later Lee was admitted to hospital after a fall. Tests revealed that she'd got cancer which had spread to her brain and Michelle thought maybe that's why she's been acting so strangely, her mind's gone. So she felt really sorry for her. When Lee were discharged, Michelle popped upstairs and she made a tea and toast. She helped her to get washed and dressed and she went to shop to get her groceries for her. And in time, they became so close that Michelle even gave Lee a family heirloom, a silk and silver cross. So as Lee's health deteriorated, their friendship continued. But Lee seemed to be talking about this medical skeleton that she had a lot. She said, put it in the attic. I want to scare somebody. And Michelle was like, oh, okay. And she'd still never seen this flipping skeleton she kept going on about. And then another neighbour told her, oh, Lee keeps asking me to move a skeleton. Michelle went, me too? Why is she so obsessed with it? Now, shortly after that, Lee was moved into a hospice. And before she went, she said, you've got to move that medical skeleton. And Michelle went, yeah, I will. And four days later, Lee passed away. Michelle went to a funeral and she bought some white lilies to put on a coffin. The neighbours were all really devastated and Michelle was the one that helped clean out Lee's flat. Now, everyone noticed a large roll of plastic next to Lee's garden shed and the neighbour said, oh, it must be that blasted skeleton. So the next day, Michelle's friend came round and she was telling her all about Lee and the fact that it should split and the fact that Michelle had split up with her boyfriend, Mike. And her friend said, we need something to cheer you up. So Michelle had an idea. She'd got another friend coming around later, so she went, I'm going to put Lee's skeleton on my sofa. I can say it's my new boyfriend. So she went with a friend and she took two big knives and went to Lee's shed. Now she said, I'll hold the plastic and you cut into it because there's loads of layers here. So the knife cut through the plastic and suddenly this black sludge began to pour out. It covered her hands and her arms and they were hit by the worst smell imaginable. Now, under this plastic was a dead body. Now, they started screaming, they rang the police, and Michelle was running around the garden trying to shake this sludge off her hands and clothes. That even bleach just wouldn't get rid of it. Now, two officers arrived after that, and the whole bodies were just shaking. Michelle was saying, who could have done this? A team of forensic officers arrived, and they asked what had happened and Michelle said, well, I was playing a prank. It was Lee's skeleton from upstairs. I was going to give my friend a fright, but obviously that backfired. But the police officers weren't laughing. They asked Michelle to go with them to the station. And when she got there, an officer said, Michelle James, I'm arresting you on suspicion of murder. Now Michelle just laughed. She went, oh, you're having a joke. Jeremy Beadle's going to come through that door in a minute. But they weren't. She was stripped of all her clothes, she was given a tracksuit to wear and her DNA and fingerprints were taken. She kept saying, look, this has got nothing to do with me. But she was kept in there for days. Officers kept asking about her ex-boyfriend, Mike, and they seemed convinced that she bumped him off. Now, finally, they found Mike alive and well, obviously, so on the fourth day, she were bailed and she went to stay with the daughter. 
But she were in a right state. She were like, I'm so scared. What if they come and lock me up again? Now, after three weeks, she decided to go back home. But as she walked to her front door, a man pointed at her and whispered, that's her, the murderer. Now, she started shaking and luckily her other neighbours were more supportive. They all said, we know you didn't do it. Three weeks later, she got a call from a solicitor. The charges had been dropped. Solicitor said, they found the killer. It was Lee. It was Lee Sabina, upstairs neighbour. The body in the bag was her husband, John. Michelle just, well, there were no words. Later on, an officer came to a flat and the officer said to her that John was last seen alive in 1998. Lee had smashed his head in and kept his body in her flat and they suspected she'd embalmed it. And Michelle went, oh my God, the medical books, like they'd have shown her what to do. So the police still don't know how she managed to keep his body hidden from all the people who called at a flat and nobody knew how she got the body from a room to the garden because she'd have been too frail to carry it herself. So Michelle thinks now she wanted it moved before she died so that a crime wouldn't be detected. So that's why she's been going on about it all the time. And she just can't believe it. Michelle says she, she knew that Lee was a strange woman, but nobody thought she was a husband killer. Michelle's asked to be moved to a new flat now because she can't live there after finding a body outside a kitchen window. But before she goes, she says she's going to put up a plaque in the garden in memory of John Sabine who were killed because she finally wants him to rest in peace. Oh my goodness. I, I told that, you. <laughs> that is just, yeah, I mean, you cannot, words cannot describe that kind of story. That is just horrendous. But you wonder how in this day and age of of forensics and, and how in this day and age of, of just social media and everybody knows where everybody is at all times pretty much. How could he have gone missing, you know, from 1998? That is unbelievable. And also, when you start reading this story, you think he's going to be something different, don't you? You'd, well, you would never have guessed where that were going at all. And the fact that she was, it's bad enough to find a body, but then to be blamed for it and be accused of bumping off your own boyfriend. But imagine actually having oh. to open that bag and, and you oh, know, that, oh, that is just, it's unimaginable Absolutely that's unimaginable. it your life would just never be the same again after that would it well no i think she'll obviously always be scarred by that kind of thing you know and oh let's not even go into that you know, know. but it's it's just awful poor poor, poor michelle that's just awful oh listen let's hope that um you know she's moved and you know she gets somewhere really really nice and manages to to meet some really unquirky neighbors yeah <laughs> <laughs> boring and normal that's what she wants now exactly exactly we'll, that's we'll do another nice competition to me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excellent we'll do another competition alongside the fan me and nan prize made one oh, for definitely. the most boring people to go <laughs> next door to us <laughs> if you oh. like graphs and calculators get in touch oh dear dear listen sean honestly thank you so much for sharing those stories with us they were uh, very interesting to say the least um mm. and obviously the brand new copy of take a break magazine is out as we speak it's brilliant it's always brilliant uh, there's so many great stories in there real life stories that uh, I don't know I, that's what I love about this magazine it does kind of you know make people feel like uh, they're they're kind of delving into somebody else's life it's a wee bit escapism isn't it it is and also you never know what you're going to get like that story just then 
It's exactly. like a bag of Rev- it's like a bag of Revels, Jill. Oh, Compared to a dairy milk, you don't know what's coming. Oh, Sean, life for Sean is like a bag of Revels. <laughs> <laughs> that just says it all. That yeah, it, it all. is. That's a good quote. I should get that put up. Life's a bag of Revels. Sometimes you get the toffee ones, but sometimes you get coffee. <laughs> well, listen. Thank you for joining us today, Sean. You're always such a pleasure on the show. You really, really are. And obviously, um, as I said, the brand new copy's out. If you want to get it, then please do go out and get it. It's on the shelves. Or you can take a look online. It's a fully accessible website. Have you got the web address? Yep, it's www.takeabreak.co.uk. Shan Gregory from Take A Break magazine. Please don't leave it so long next time. I will speak to you again very soon here on Insight Radio. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.